Welcome to Choice Classic Radio, where we bring to you the greatest old-time radio shows. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube, and thank you for donating at choiceclassicradio.com. <laughs> Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. <laughs> Once again, we bring you the thrilling adventures of The Shadow, the hard and relentless fight of one man against the forces of evil. These dramatizations are designed to demonstrate forcibly to old and young alike that crime does not pay. The shadow who aids the forces of law and order is in reality Lamont Cranston, wealthy young man about town. While in the Orient, Cranston learned a strange and mysterious secret. The hypnotic power to cloud men's minds so they cannot see him. Cranston's friend and companion, the lovely Margot Lane, is the only person who knows to whom the voice of the invisible shadow belongs. Today's drama, Murder for Money. gentlemen, I see our little family has gathered. That's right, boss. Hey, how do you like me in this slip man's uniform? You're a thing of beauty, Curly. A thing of beauty. How are you, Doc? All right, boss. I've done a good job on him, eh? Doc, you're an artist. Why'd you pick on this old dump of a hotel for anyway, boss? I mean, for this particular job. This is an old hotel, Curly. A very exclusive old hotel. With plenty of money backing it. And it only has one very old-fashioned lift. <laughs> I see what you mean. Uh, meet the guests at our party, boss. That there on the sofa is Mrs. Betty Grant. In the easy chair is Mr. Thomas Ennis. And this one I just finished is Mr. Edward Roberts. Mm, dear, dear, you've got a little too much rouge on Mrs. Grant's lips. Oh, I can wipe some off. Yes, do. Otherwise, Doc, they're beautiful. A beautiful job. I'm sure no one would ever guess these three charming people are quite dead. Well, it was very sweet of you, Lamont, to come to the hotel with me to see old Mrs. Crane. She was one of Mother's dearest friends, you know. I was glad to, Margot. That's a shame she's so little. I think you made quite a hit with the old lady. Of course, Margot. Oh, oh look, there's the lift stopped on this floor. Hurry. Uh, hold it, please. Going down. The lift's going up, Mister. Well, we can ride up. You're coming right down. Get out of this lift, my boy. I've got my hand full with these drunks. Oh, look. That's it. right. Out of the lift, please. I'll pick you up on the way down. Well, of, uh, of, of all the... He nearly pushed me over backwards. When did you get to look at those other three passengers? Yes, I did. Two men and that woman. Drunk as lords. That man taking care of them. There's a peculiar character if ever I saw one. Hmm. The lift stopped on some floor above. Just as well we didn't get in with them. All three of them were too drunk to stand. Lamont, something's happened. The lift cable snapped. Falling. Something's wrong with the safety device. The water's crashing down, all the way down. Ah! 
Oh, look at this trash, Margot. It fell clean down here from the basement. That's Mr. Claxton, the hotel manager, Lamont. Find out what happened. Well, Mr. Claxton, uh, I'm Lamont Claxton. Miss Lane and I were visiting old Mrs. Crane. It's horrible. Horrible. I don't see how it could have happened. Uh, who was in the car when it fell? Two men and a woman, and Tom, our lift man, dead. All four of them killed. Who were they, do you know? They were friends of a Mr. Parker in 908, I believe. They gave me their names, but I can't remember now. Then they weren't hotel guests. No, I, I sent one of the bellboys up to get Mr. Parker. He'll be able to identify them, I'm sure. Uh, is that the lift man they're bringing out now? Yes. Yes, that's our Tom. Margot, look at that body. I can't, Lamont. It's not the same lift man who told us to get out. Oh, Mr. Claxton. Uh, oh, uh, yes, Frank. Uh, did you find Mr. Parker? Uh, there isn't any Mr. Parker. There isn't anybody in that room. It's empty. What? But there must be Mr. Parker booked a room, and I know he's talking right... Just as I thought. Margo, come on. We're going down to the morgue. The morgue? But why? There's something strange happening. I want a closer look at those bodies. Perhaps they weren't just drunk when we saw them in the lift, Margo. Perhaps they were already dead. You and Miss Lane can go in now, Mr. Cranston. Three bodies on slabs 24, 5, and 6. The lift man was identified. His body's been sent home. Oh, thank you. We won't be long. Oh, let me hold your arm, Lamont. I don't like it in here. Morgues aren't the most cheerful places to visit at midnight. All these dead bodies under white sheets. Row after row. Uh, this tag says 19. They must be down there. These green-shaded nightlights don't help any. Oh, here we are, Margaret. This is body 24. Wait, Lamont. Don't raise the sheet. I can't look. All right, darling. Turn around. But hurry, please. Yes, this is one of our men. Pretty badly battered, too. The vault, look. Look at this one. Just mm, as I thought. I found what I was looking for on this corpse. Lamont, I don't like it. Let's get out of here. Right this way, Mrs. Roberts. Here comes someone, Lamont. To identify one of these bodies. Quick, behind the screen. What for? It may be one of the lift victims. Oh, Lamont, a heart-rending scene now will finish me. Shh, they're stopping at number 24. Well, here we are, Mrs. Roberts. Can you identify this man? Yes, it's my husband. Edward Roberts is the name. I suppose you'll want the body now? No. Leave it here until I find some place to have it sent. My, Martha, what a heartbreaking scene. She sounds as if she doesn't care at all. You don't want the body sent to your home? No, we are separated. I was getting a divorce. Just keep it here for me. I'll notify you tomorrow where to have it sent. Lamont. She sounded almost glad he was dead. I think she was. I'm going to follow her, Margot. What for? I found something on all three of those bodies. What? A tiny pinprick in the vein on the inner arm, where the elbow bends. The same on all three. Even the bruises and the crash couldn't obliterate that. Those three people were murdered, Margot. You think that woman knows something? I'm sure she does. And perhaps she'd like to tell it to the shadow. Crying. That's good. <laughs> After you've gone and left me sighing, I'll feel good. I knew I would. Now, <laughs> oh, listen, I'll be glad when you're dead, you rascal, you. Yes, that'd be good, too. Hey, who's that talking? Where are you hiding? The shadow hides from no one, Mrs. Roberts. But you're hiding something. Your husband fell in that lift crash tonight, didn't he? Good riddance. 
I was getting a divorce anyway. Where are you? Instead, you paid someone to kill him for you. I didn't pay anybody. Somebody's going to pay me. Pay you for what, Mrs. Roberts? We're going to sue the hotel. Get money for Eddie's death. So that's the game the murderer's playing. Planting the body in a planned accident. Solve unhappy marriages and get money besides. Who are you, anyway? You sent your husband to that hotel thinking he was to arrange your quick divorce. Instead, he met death. Who killed him, Mrs. Roberts? I won't tell. I've said too much. Get out of here, whoever you are. Only bottles won't help, Mrs. Roberts. Was Mr. Parker the man's name? No. I don't know any Mr. Parker. Get out of here. All right, Mrs. Roberts, I'll go. You've told me enough. But don't sue the hotel. You won't get a hateney. The police will discover your husband was dead before the body crashed in that lift tonight. Someone at the door, boss. It's probably Curly. Let him in. Uh, yes, boss, it's Curly. Boss, boss, I had to see you. Has something gone wrong, Curly? There's somebody in our trial. Who? A fellow named Lamont Cranston, an amateur detective, and a girl he's got with him named Margot Lane. How do you know? Well, I was hanging around the morgue just like you told me to check and see the bodies were identified so as you could start proceedings. I saw these two go in, so I followed them and heard them ask to see our three friends. Yes? Well, I pretended I'd come down to see if one of them was for me. And I talked to the attendant and got this information first. Well, there's no reason to worry. He won't find out it was murder. Murder, Doc? We don't use that word. I'm sorry, boss. I hoped it when I saw Mrs. Roberts come in to identify her hubby. An amateur sleuth, eh? Oh, there's nothing to worry about yet. No. Well, I happen to notice he and the girl are the same two that saw us tonight in the lift with the three corpses. That's right, boss. The fellow and his girl did see us, but not for long. Hmm. That could cause complications, gentlemen. Particularly if one of our clients should talk. Who's that, boss? It's nearly 3 a.m. There's only one way to find out. Why, Mrs. Roberts? Mr. Palmer, I had to come. Something's happened. Mrs. Roberts. What's biting her? What's troubling you, Mrs. Roberts? Besides being slightly in your cups. I was celebrating. But I'm sober now. You haven't been talking. I don't know how it happened. Suddenly I heard some man's voice. He must have been hiding. Said he knew Eddie was dead before the lift fell. She was hearing things... That liquor's bad stuff. He said I wouldn't get a penny. I told him I would. That you'd sue the hotel for Eddie's death. You stupid fool. Oh, oh. Uh, gentlemen, it looks like travel for us. Our fair client has talked. What about the money, boss? Aren't we going to sue the hotel for the death of those three people? Wipe this off as a bad deal. We make up for it next time. Come on, gentlemen, get your things packed. I got the car right outside. You're going? You're leaving? We got rid of your husband for you. What more do you want? My money. The share you promised I'd get when you sue the hotel. We're not suing the hotel. I won't let you go. You get that money for me first, or I'll tell. I know a lot. She will, boss. You're a foolish woman, Mrs. Roberts. Stay away from me. And a dangerous woman. No. No, get... No, you're not going anywhere. Oh, please, I won't tell. I didn't mean it. I don't believe you. I swear it. I won't tell. I won't. Please. Quiet. I... <laughs> All right, Curly. All right, boss. No, no. Let me leave. That's it, boss. Beautiful. Beautiful. We'll return to The Shadow in just a moment. 
Lamont Cranston and Margot Lane were about to discover a fiendish new murderer when suddenly all clues seemed to disappear along with the murderer. The entire case seems to have vanished into thin air. Lamont! Margot, darling, hurry up and pack your things. We're taking a little motor trip to the mountains. Wait a minute, Mr. Cranston. I think I'm on the trail of our murderer again. Lamont, turn him over to the police. Let them handle it. There's nothing to turn over, Margot. I am the only one who believes that those hotel victims were dead before the lift fell. You talked to their husbands and wives. They all said that they believed it was an accident. They gave permission, so of course they're afraid to tell the truth. Whoever it was arranged the grisly business evidently cleared out on them without suing, and they're too afraid to sue. Just what have you found out? The trail leads to a little town in the mountains, a little town called Edgerton. Why there? Two reasons, Margot. First, Mrs. Roberts' body has been found, run over by a motor car on an isolated dirt road in that region. But why that particular town? I've been watching all the papers, had people watching papers for me. Yes? This week in Edgerton, a hotel lift crashed. Four passengers were killed, and their husbands and wives are all suing. Oh. Exactly. That looks like our man, doesn't it? Hi, Oh, there you are, Margot. I just called your room. What luck did you have, Lamont? None, Margot. This thing's really got me guessing. He went to the lawyer who's suing? Yes, he's not our man. He's definitely on the up and up. I've checked. He's not our man. Oh, let's sit down here in the lobby, darling. You're tired. And worried, too. I can see that. Clark. Yes, sir. Uh, give me some change for the telephone. Certainly, Margot. Did you hear that voice? Yes. It's the man we saw in the lift that night with those bodies. The one who wasn't killed. He's gone in that phone booth. Come across to the other one, quick. You wait here, Margot. I'm going inside this booth and listen to his call. Edgerton 223. Two, Edgerton 223. Two, oh. Hello, boss. Yes, this is Doc. Just got into town. New arrangement on the fire already? But the night is 11.30. Where are you? How do I get out? All right. Bye-bye. And leave right away. All right, boss. Be seeing you. Oh, oh pardon, pardon me. Pardon me, miss. I didn't see you standing there. Lamont, it is the same man. He saw me, but I don't think he recognized me. I've got the big boss's number, Margot. Looks like we've just arrived in time. What are you doing? Phoning the big boss for more information, darling. Information? He'd never talk to a stranger. You'll talk to me, Margot. Wait till he hears my voice. Edgerton 223. Hello? Oh, it's me again, Doc. I already forgot how you said I was to get out there. Idiot. Write it down this time. Take the homestead bus to the terminus. Look for an old farmhouse, the only one around here. Now get out here, quick. Now, Margot, let's pay the boss another kind of call. What a place you picked this time, boss. Not even electric lights. You've worked by candles before. Hurry up. It's late. I'm all finished. I got our little family all fixed up. Don't they look sweet? They do in this light. Well, nobody will see them in any other. Five of them this time. This is a big deal. I told you there were six. There's still one to come. And Mr. Haywood Ullman. He's a bit late. Don't they think it's peculiar coming away out to an old place like this to arrange for a divorce? Not for the kinds of divorces I deal in. 
bus accident this time. Yes. Curly's taking the last bus from town. When all the passengers have left, he takes over both the bus and driver and drives over here. And we load on our friends here. Then what, boss? There's a curve downhill on the cliff road. Curly drives to the top of the hill, releases the brakes, jumps up, and down the hill the bus goes. It's a 60-foot drop. I can just hear the lovely crash now. Oh, hope Curly doesn't make a mess of it. At least he doesn't have to write everything down the way you do. I never have to write anything down. Then why did you have to phone me twice for directions today? Twice. Twice? Boss, I only called you once. Somebody's caught on to us again, Doc. Why, boss, now I remember. That girl, I saw her again. In the hotel lobby, by the telephone booth. That amateur sleuth and the girlfriend? Yes. What are we going to do? It's too late to pull out now. I got the bodies all ready. All but that one. If this Cranston called, then he knows things are scheduled for 11.30. Chances are he'll be driving out with the girl tonight. Yes. I'm going to film Curly. He's still in time waiting. He can get someone to watch and telephone here when he sees Cranston and the girl leaving. What good will that do, boss? You don't see, Doc? It's very clever. Mr. Cranston and his lady friend may come by car, but they leave by bus. Everything's right, boss. I've got the bus outside. Excellent. And the driver? Dead as a doornail. And I parked your car like you told me so that after the accident I can get back here quickly. Hey, boss, uh, what's the matter? You're not yourself tonight. One fellow due for the little bus ride hasn't shown up yet. Mr. Haywood Ullman should be taught punctuality. Ah, yes, yes, thanks. The detective and the girl left the hotel in that car. That means they're on their way out here now. Boss, we've got to get started with that bus. That must be Mr. Ullman now. We have to work quickly. Not too much fun with this one. Oh, Mr. Palmer? Yes, and you must be Mr. Ullman. Come right in. My wife gave me your address. Said you were her solicitor. But uh, I thought it was rather odd you're having your office in a place like this. That's why I didn't come right in. This is the place, Mr. Ullman. Oh, I didn't expect to find all these other clients. Oh, that's all right, Mr. Ullman. They're all dead. Dead? Why, they are. They're corpses. Sitting up around the room. Curly, we've no time to waste. I... Let go. Let me get out of here. In that chair, Curly. Your hypodermic needle, Doc. Yes, give me room, Curly. Let me up. What are you doing to me? Killing you, Mr. Now, let me go. Let me go. That's better, Curly. It was terribly noisy. Now, your hypodermic, Doc. Careful, don't rush. Ah, that's fine. Hold him, Curly. Right. It won't be too long, Mr. Ullman. That hypodermic works wonders. Look at that expression. That did it. Very pretty, Doctor. You have your instructions, Curly? Don't worry, boss. I'll see Cranston and that girl are both on the bus. Good. All right, gentlemen. You may inform your passengers it's time to board bus. These winding roads are certainly dark, Lamont. I think we're on the right road. Hey, look at those headlights approaching. Yes, they're blinding. He isn't dimming them. Flash your lights at him. He's not paying any attention. Lamont, be careful. I can't see. That's a headlight right in my eyes. (laughs) Gee, 
I, I didn't mean to run you off the road, mister. Anyone hurt? Uh, no, fortunately. Gee, I tried to dim the lights, but the switch was stuck. Gee, that's a pity. You broke the front wheel of your car. Oh, Lamont, what'll we do now? Better come on back into town with me and my bus. All right. Hop aboard. I hope you don't mind the bus lights being out. It's easier to drive. Oh, there are only six passengers, Lamont. Plenty of seats. Well, we'll find a seat. Just get us back to town. Uh, take any seat you like. Lamont, I just noticed something odd. There's another driver up in front. Looks as though he's asleep in one of the front seats. They all look asleep to me. That's not a sound. Lamont, that man driving looks familiar. I've seen him somewhere before. It... Oh, Lamont. What's the matter, Margaret? The man behind us must be drunk. He's leaning on my shoulder. He must be drunk. Wait a minute, I'll give him a push. Margo. What's the matter? This man's not drunk. He's dead. Look at the rest of the passengers. Lamont! They're all dead. We're in a bus filled with dead passengers. That driver. I remember when I saw him before. He was the man in the liftman's uniform that night. The one who pushed us out of the lift. Lamont, it's a trap. It's a trap of some kind. Driver, stop this bus. <laughs> Anything you say, Mr. Cranston. We've reached the top of the hill anyway. Lamont, he knows us. Well, what's your game, driver? What are you trying to do? Uh, look out through the windshield straight ahead, Mr. Cranston. See the road there? At the bottom it turns. There's a cliff straight ahead, Lamont. When I release my brakes, you'll all go straight down and over. Not while I've got... What? <laughs> Lamont! Oh, brass knuckles, sweetheart. Lamont! Lamont! We'll be killed! He's out for good, lady. And you're next on the list. <laughs> well, goodbye, pals. Have a nice trip. Oh, I'll just release this brake. <laughs> there. She's rolling. Won't be long now. Gee, I can hear that crash all the way up here. And that, friends, is Mr. Cranston's last ride. Well, it's all over, boss. I heard the bus crash myself. Good. Doc, you and Curly take the car and leave town. I'll handle these lawsuits and join you when it's over. It's in the bag, boss. Cranston and the girl were onto us, but they're dead now with the others. The safest place for them, gentlemen. Dead men can't talk. What's that, boss? You weren't expecting anyone? Uh, the door's opening, boss. There's someone standing there. Dead men can talk, Mr. Parler, and stand up and walk. It's that last chap we killed, boss. Ullman. It's the corpse I had on the bus, boss. Come back. No. It can't be. It's not possible. Look, Mr. Palmer, you can see with your own eyes. I am the man you just killed and sent over that cliff. Yes, I've come back to my grave to seek vengeance on you and the men who have killed me. Keep away. Closer and closer, I come. I didn't do it. I've never killed anybody. Doctor, it with a needle. No, no, it was Curly. Curly, he drove that bus. You squealer! You rotten squealer! In death, I come to claim you all. I'm getting out of here. You're not going any place, Curly. Drop that gun, Palmer. Oh, oh you dirty double crossing. You've got rid of your henchman, Palmer, but you'll be brought to justice. Whose voice is that? Who speaks? 
Fear not, Alman. No, Palmer. This is the shadow. The shadow speaks for Alman and all the victims who have cold-bloodedly murdered. The shadow speaks for justice. You can't hold me, voice. Don't run, Palmer. I'm getting out. Are you? You and your rotten scheme to murder for money are finished forever. Hello, operator. Give me the local police. <laughs> you should have seen the expression on their faces when the shadow walked in as the late Mr. Ullman. <laughs> I can bet. But, Lamont, there's one thing that's still hazy. How did we get out of that bus? I came to lying on the ground with you slapping my face. Ah, oh, now it must have been fate. You see, Curly, in wanting to do a perfect job, placed the real driver in the driver's seat just before he let the bus go. I regained consciousness just in time to see the bus driver's corpse fall forward, and in hitting the steering wheel, the weight of his body caused the bus to change direction. So instead of going over the cliff, we crashed into a tree. Well, fate and the shadow seem to have one thing in common. They both used the same means to see justice done. Fate took a dead man and steered a bus. The shadow took a dead man... And made him walk. In a moment, I'll return and tell you of next week's shadow story. Next week, same time, same station, we bring you another strange and thrilling adventure in The Shadow's Daring Battle Against the Forces of Evil. Be sure to listen. feature is produced by Reg Johnston for Grace Gibson Radio Productions, a masterpiece of suspense.